0: Hello, everybody, and happy new year to you. Welcome to the Always Hope Podcast, a production of Willwood's Faith and Marriage. This is Dr. Mario Sacasa, and truly grateful to have you here with me today as we start this new year, 2022. Okay, well, Exodus 90 is a program aimed at helping men grow in their spiritual and ascetical practices. It is built around small groups, regular prayer exercises, and giving up a long list of creature comforts. And honestly, it has grown tremendously over the last few years. I hear many, many people talking about it and its benefits. And so while I hear many people talking about its positives, I do have some questions about the program and how it fits within the church's larger understanding of the spiritual life. So joining me on the show today to talk about those questions and those positives as well is Nathaniel bin director of content for Exodus 90. In today's episode, we talk about the history of the program and how it has evolved over the years. We further discuss the differences between passive purgation and active purgation in the spiritual life, and the purpose of giving things up as part of our spiritual growth. We debate the merits of pushing yourself too hard in your ascetical practices, how to find balance with it all, and also how Exodus fits fits, again within the church's liturgical calendar and spiritual traditions. We also in today's episode talk about the need of incorporating almsgiving and service into any spiritual discipline. Well, this episode was recorded back in October 2021, but here it is for you at the start of 2022, so I hope you enjoy it. All right, let's get into this conversation with Nathaniel Binversy. Nathaniel Binversy, welcome to the Always Hope Podcast. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing very well. Thanks so much for having me on the show, Mario. Yeah, man, uh, just, just grateful. Grateful to dive into this conversation about... Kind of men's spirituality uh men in the church what are men needing uh together just being able to hear more about uh the work that you guys are doing with exodus 90 and and kind of the future and the past and kind of dive into all sorts of different things that we're going to get into today so so thanks man for joining me and, and going along for the ride and being willing to play along and and uh and just have this great conversation that we're about to have so I, I guess I wanna say this right out of the gates. Uh, I've never done Exodus, I I, I haven't done it. Uh, in the last three or four years, though, I feel like every every guy I know is being like, you gotta do Exodus, you gotta do Exodus, you got and I'm like, I just haven't felt it, I just haven't felt the call, you know what I mean? It's one of these things that it's a, if it's a spiritual program, it's a question of discernment. Um, and, and honestly, like I think the first time that somebody really approached me about doing exos was maybe like, I would say about three years ago, and I was just coming out of a really intense season in my life. I was coming out of just real bad, real bad burnout, um, which just threw my faith kind of, to be honest, kind of up in a circle, up and all over the place. And I was like, the last thing I think God is asking me to do right now is to just kind of go into the desert again. I just came out of the desert, you know what I mean? So I'm just trying to figure this thing out. So so, so I'm say that just as my caveat, right out of the gates. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm genuinely just want to better understand the program um, in terms of you know kind of the ins and outs of it, and uh, in in being able to, to 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 just like I said just better understand and, and get a get a clear picture of kind of what it is and and uh, what it's trying to accomplish and what its strengths are, what its limitations are, and just kind of diving into all of that. So does that sound all right? That sounds like a great show. I'm excited <laughs> to share it with you. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Well, let's start from the beginning. So I first heard of Exodus. I would say, I don't even know how many years ago now, it Probably it, back when it was, it, I guess you and James were were seminarians, is that right, at, at Mount St. Mary's? Is, is that correct? Is that the history Neither
1: there? Neither of us were personally at Mount St. Mary's, but yes, it did start at Mount St. Mary's. Okay, And we both also were seminarians. So you got a lot of the facts right, but just one. Just one, one detail. detail. All right, air. Yeah.
0: we'll scrap that. I'm going to fire my my data guy, you know, because he doesn't <laughs> he got his facts wrong, which which is actually me. So that's my problem. <laughs> so we were close. All right. Close. So. So tell me. Tell me about it. The, the, the inception, my understanding in the context for where I understood it was. At the time when I was I was the director of counseling services at Notre Dame Seminary, which is the major seminary here in New Orleans, and I was asked to to start a group for men who struggle with 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 compulsive pornography use, which I know for many people who just even hear me saying that might be astonished that seminaries need said program, but hey, uh, and I say this not to be totally sarcastic, but. It is a house of guys, you know, like, I mean, it just, it just is what it is. You know what I mean? Obviously you try to work with them to the extent that you get some freedom before, uh, ordination, or if not, then, then there has to be, uh, some discernment to leave, but nevertheless, uh, you, you, you can't just, anyways, you have to work with people where they are and and that includes seminarians. Um, so. I, that's when I first encountered Exodus was it was this my understanding was, was it was a um, a 90 day kind of reboot program geared to help men who are struggling with this particular issue. Um, and uh, and 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 I guess the reason I didn't use it in, in my particular seminar is because I, I wanted I, I was looking for something that I was. But I had a model that I could follow, you know, kind of beyond just the 90 days. Um, so anyways, but that was the first time I kind of heard about it. So it, tell me about the inception, it, which of my facts are right or wrong right there. And then kind of tell me when did it evolve from this program for seminarians uh, to struggling with pornography, to, to becoming something that was more generalized, to encouraging ascetical practices uh, as, as a whole for men in the church?
1: Yeah, so it started out with Father Brian Dor, who was a foremaner at Mount St. Mary's. Seminary in Emmitsburg, Maryland. He's a priest in the Diocese of Indiana, Lafayette in Indiana, but was on loan out there for a while as a formator. And he realized the exact same thing that that you see in seminaries, uh, seminary from your own experience. And that is the men aren't free. They're not free from the things of this world to really discern the Lord's will for their life. It's actually hindering them, preventing them from hearing God's will and or living it out with the greatest amount of grace and simply freedom. Right. So. Those things could have been and indeed oftentimes are pornography or masturbation, sexual sins, but they certainly could be other things as well. An attachment to video games or overworking on your schoolwork or simply overeating or drinking or any of the above attachment to your phone, certainly a prevalent one. So Father Brian said, well, this is my responsibility as a formator to form these men, to prepare them to become holy priests. I'm not just going to send them out to be priests like that's on me. Mm -hmm. When it comes to the end of time, like that's on me. He he took very much a personal accountability here, if you will, or responsibility to form these men better. Mm -hmm. And so he got a group of them together and said, okay, you small group of men, we're going to try this thing out for the next 90 days. We're going to walk through the book of Exodus and we're going to work on prayer, asceticism, which is acts of self denial. And we're going to do this fraternally. We're going to do this as a small group of men. Mm -hmm. And so they did, they start setting setting out on this time together. And even after 90 days, they continued on. They just continued to work together and try to become
0: holier and better men.
1: And that was very, very successful in the first year
0: that Father Brian Doerr you weren't part of that initial group because you said you weren't at Mount St. Mary. Is that right? That's correct.
1: Yeah. That's correct. I was at uh, St. John Vianney College Seminary in St. Paul, Minnesota. Oh, and fantastic. James was there yeah. originally as well. Yeah. yeah, great. And then James went on to um, St. Minerad's mm-hmm. Seminary
0: in Indiana, in southern
1: yeah, in southern Indiana, and uh, I ended up going and getting married. James took a few more years you. to realize after that you left he, the seminary. I hope right. That's now. right. Yeah, not, yeah. Not, not during yeah. the time. <laughs> <laughs> not not at all. Indeed, I didn't even meet my my now wife until after I'd left the seminary. Yeah, no, just uh, but there. yes, yeah, yeah. So James and I now both married men. That's so this awesome. continued on. Yeah, and it was three years of great success in the seminary mm-hmm. of men really having their life changed and becoming more free from things they didn't even know they were attached to. So Father Brian Dore, seeing James leave the seminary, again, a different seminary, but Mm -hmm. they were friends uh, of each other's. And he said, man, if these men in seminary, these are supposed to be the holy men. If they're struggling with these things, if they're not really free, even though they think they might be, what about laymen? What about guys everywhere who need to be good husbands and good fathers? What about them? And so he asked James to start this, to take this out to laymen and to make this uh, accessible to all men everywhere and just to see, would they take it up or would they not? So that was the beginning, if you will, the start of Exodus 90.
0: That's fantastic. So how did you feel when you first heard about it? I mean, did you hear about it when you were in Minnesota? Um, did you know about it then or was it not until you left and you started hearing about kind of the, the just the response or uh, that whatever, the program? Yeah, so after
1: seminary, I went on to continue to serve the church in campus ministry. I went to the University of Utah for a year, and then I went and joined Focus. Focus wasn't at the University of Utah at the time. Mm-hmm. So I joined Focus, and it was when I was in Focus serving on campus with these students that I had come across Exodus 90, And I knew James was working on this mm-hmm. before I had done it because we were friends. We stayed in contact with each other, both from our time together in seminary prior to this. And hearing his stories about it, I was like, man, this is pretty intense but it's something that seems really good. I'm going to do this with my students. And so I did, and it bore fruit in my own life. And I watched it bear fruit in the life of the students that I walked very closely with as a focused missionary. Hmm. And so I did it again. I did it with a a group of young adults this time, not students, men my age, a little older, a little younger, just to see how they would handle it as men who, many of which were married and had full-time jobs. How would they take this as opposed to maybe a student? And it bore such great fruit. Uh, for that group of men as well, that I realized my time here with Focus is probably coming to an end anyway. I'd been with Focus for three years at that point. I was finishing up my master's in theology from the Augustine Institute, and I wanted to do something more. And I realized I could possibly help Exodus, which is how I ended up here.
0: Fantastic, fantastic. So I guess kind of going into those early, early years for yourself and some of the fruit that you saw, if you don't mind sharing, kind of what was some of those things that you experienced?
1: The first time that I did Exodus was actually... Uh, quite a unique experience for sure in my own spiritual life because things like alcohol in particular. Mm -hmm. Okay. My parents didn't barely ever drank while I was growing up. So I've had no problems. Thanks be to God with alcohol in my own life. It wasn't a personal struggle of mine. I have plenty of other struggles. That just wasn't one of them, but giving up alcohol for 90 days uh, was one of the disciplines of Exodus 90. And you don't take up just some of Exodus 90. You take up all the disciplines, even those that, maybe aren't that hard for you. So for me, I was like, oh, well, this one won't be a problem. Not only do I not drink very often, I also mainly work with underclassmen, so they can't drink anyway. And I am on a missionary salary, not making very much, and alcohol costs money. So mm-hmm. no big deal. Just okay, get rid of it anyways. That's, That's right. So mm-hmm. about 30 days in, I was like, man, I really want to have a beer. That's interesting. And then another day, and then another day, and I continue to want to have a beer, And I was very like, why, why do I want to have a beer so much? And I started getting frustrated about this. Why can't I have a beer? I don't struggle with this drinking problem. Like I should be able to have a beer. I should just be able to do whatever I want. Mm -hmm. And the Lord revealed to me in my growing frustration over the days that my problem, sure, it wasn't with alcohol, but it was with control Mm -hmm. that I struggled with attachment to control, wanting to control my own decisions, my own life, even my own spiritual life my relationship with God. So it was a very eye-opening experience for me that first go around with Exodus.
0: Yeah. That's great. In terms of breaking, breaking through some of those things that, um, certainly the desert experiences, you know, force us to, to examine, you know, the various attachments and thoughts and different things that, like we said, can certainly get in the way. Um, so I guess my question really, as I'm thinking about this is like, what would you say is the, the, the expressed goal or intent of Exodus 90. Like what would you hope that a guy gets out of it?
1: Main thing that we hope that men get out of it is freedom itself. The hard thing about telling people that is we as men don't know we're not free Mm -hmm. before we start Exodus 90 Mm -hmm. until we start giving things up. We don't know that we're attached to them. If I said, Hey man, you're probably actually attached to walking, watching television or watching movies. Mm -hmm. A man might say like, no, I don't. I don't even have cable. In fact, I just have Netflix. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's pretty much the same thing. How many hours do you spend there or on YouTube or whatever? And until he has to give it up, he's not often aware. So yes, freedom is indeed the goal. It's just a hard aspect, a hard sell using that. So we usually just kind of say, hey, look, you're gonna be a better husband and a better father. You're gonna be a better Christian if you live out the Christian life through Exodus 90. And by the end, they realized, man, in fact, 99% of men, Based on our statistics, drawn from uh, outside sources who have done this research for us, ninety-nine percent of men who do Exodus ninety feel more free upon completing it. Yeah, and uh, that's that's no small number.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. That's great. So I guess like I, I I fundamentally agree, obviously, with the need of reclaiming a sense of asceticism in our life, and um, you know the spiritual life, of course, is is always a balance of of mysticism, of asceticism, of alms giving, and. And that's the trifecta that kind of guides us along the way um and i think sometimes you know i I agree wholeheartedly with the notion that we need to because in, in the spiritual writers we'll talk about kind of passive purgative peer experiences and uh, together with active purgation and so the passive purgation is more of the notion that like when the difficulties come to us and emerge on us like our response to those it's passive in the sense that we didn't um we didn't necessarily ask for that to happen like it like difficulties in life will happen, you know, COVID for example, and all, all the things we have to deal with, with that. I mean, just having to, to navigate that or whatever other challenges you may have in your life, all those dark moments are, are kind of more passive moments, but there's something to be said also about us willingly taking up, you know, certain active practices um, in being able to, to navigate. I guess some of it is, is, as you're seeing is, is, is a, is is in an effect a revelation of our attachments for sure um but i think i i guess it's it it's also it's that and it's it's an offering um it's kind of a mix of all of that and being able to say okay lord like where really are the places in my heart that 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 i need you and so being able to make certain offerings are places that 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 um that are that are just that and I think that's the church's wisdom when it comes to Lent, for example. I mean, Lent has always been viewed as this time where where we do give up something. And 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 I think I remember the first time that I actually took Lent seriously um, was after my conversion. I had a conversion, my freshman year in college. And it was, it was that, that next year, you know. And I was like, I was like, well, I'm gonna I'm actually gonna take Lent seriously. Even though I was raised Catholic, you know, I gave up chocolate or whatever other little thing. But I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm actually let me actually pray about what God wants me to give up for Lent. So Sorry. I'll never forget. I was, I was in the shower and, uh, and, and God said, I want you to give up going to bars and nightclubs. And, uh, and I was like, uh, uh, okay. Well, I mean, like, are you joking? Like, <laughs> I mean, like, what What am I else am I supposed to do as a college freshman? If I can't go out dancing on the weekends with my friends and, 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 uh, and flirting with girls and the whole bit. Uh, and, uh, God's like, no, I want you to give up clubbing, you know, for, uh, for, and at the time I'm Hispanic and I was very much deep into going out to Latin clubs and dancing and salsa, merengue, all that good stuff with all my friends. And, uh, just really heard it clear that, you know, that this is, this is what the Lord wanted me to give up. And I was like, okay, all right, this, this is, this is not going to be fun. Um, but I did. And then having to tell my friends that, you know, they were like, what's the matter with you? Like, you're just like some weirdo now. Like, why are you, why are you doing that? And so like it was, it was, it was brilliant. And so every every year since I try to enter lent into that experience of being able to say, okay, Lord, like what what genuinely is it that you want me to give up in this moment? Um, and and of course I've seen certainly the the fruits in that experience and being able to to offer that. Um, and so certainly encourage that as well, you know, when I'm working with guys who do struggle with some of these compulsive behaviors and being able to say, okay, well, what 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 are certain practices that you can engage in that you can give up? Um, again, not given up for the sake of it, but, but, but some of it's penitential in terms of an offering. Um, but, but some of it also is in terms of reclaiming some of that internal mastery, that internal muscle memory, uh, that's needed for you to be able to, to grow, um, in the greater freedom, you know, with regards to, to said behaviors. So anything else you want to add to that? What are your thoughts?
1: No, I totally agree. Totally agree. And that's a beautiful, beautiful story for sure. <laughs> I think one of, I mean, one of the aspects of Lent that I think that's we dope. miss, and the aspects of the of the spiritual life that we miss, and Exodus 90 certainly pushes us to understand, is that 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 concept of God doesn't give us more than we can handle being totally not true.
0: I hate that right? comment. I I I I absolutely like I, I've said it very publicly. I think that comment is is uh, is is nonsense. God repeatedly gives us more than we can't handle. I mean like Absolutely. I mean, you ask any any couple that's struggling with infertility or any single woman in her forties, you know, it, I mean, are any person who has a spouse that's dying of cancer. I mean, like it, routinely, these are moments that unless we have God's grace, we're really not gonna be able to get through those 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 incredibly difficult moments. So sorry to jump on right. that, but-, but No, but no, I that's so,
1: so good. So we compare that comment with how we, or our understanding of that comment, right? It being not true, mm-hmm. with how we live out Lent or how we live out any time of a penance, right? Well, of course the joke is always, yeah, giving up chocolate for Lent. That's mm-hmm. just what Catholics do, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, what if you gave up more than you could handle for Lent? Because usually we're just like, I just don't want to give up too much. Like I could probably handle maybe this much. Well, great. What if God is actually always asking us every Lent and every Advent as a penitential season to specifically give up more than we can handle? Well, in doing so, what happens to us, As especially as men, what happens to us? We have to get on our knees. We can't be prideful because we just chose to do something more than we could handle. We can't do, we literally acknowledge we can't do this on our own, right? So we have to acknowledge our weakness. We have to acknowledge that and get on our knees and just be like, Lord, today I failed. I, I didn't accomplish this. It's like day four of Lent and I've already failed. Great. Like that's not a bad thing. You are learning something even greater. You're learning to turn to the strength of God even more. So Exodus certainly helps with that because it's more than men could handle. You know, I've done Exodus five times and I've failed Exodus five times, Mario. I've finished okay. it every time, it's, right? I've finished it every time, but I sure. never did it perfectly, which is what makes it continuously beneficial to my spiritual life because it puts me on my knees instead of pridefully before the throne of God saying, look how good of a servant I am. I can do all these things for right.
0: you. Yeah. Now I, I will say, yeah. I will say the, you know, the counter is, I remember having a friend of mine who would he, <laughs> he gave up for Lent eating basically, except for the Eucharist. Uh, and, uh, and it, so he ate on Sundays, but all the other days he did not eat and he just fasted hard. Um, and by the end of it, he lost like 20 something pounds and he was a rail and, uh, and everybody was like, Tony, like, you need to eat bud? Like it's, it's time. And again, his own, his own journey, but, but even him at the end of it was like, that was, that was extreme. That was a little much, you know? And so there's always an element when it comes to like the tension between, am I giving up too little, or am I giving up too much? That's the place where there has to be real conversation with your spiritual director in terms of being able to navigate. Okay. Where's the threshold, you know, as, as with any self-growth, Process as a therapist, I know this. There's always there's always a a, a line between too little and too much, and it's mm-hmm. too little and too much that that's where the, that's where the healthy tension is in terms of our own personal growth. When we are overwhelmed, or when we're doing when we're doing way too much, then then that causes a snap, and uh, and that's not good for our spiritual life or good for our psyche. Uh, when we do too little, though, we're, we're 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 kind of staying in the comfort zone, and so so there is a balance between between the both, you know. Um, So like when the piece like with regards to taking up disciplines and spiritual disciplines for me, honestly, another great experience that I had in my life was here recently where uh, February of last year, I I ran my first marathon. Um, And that was an incredible experience. It was it was uh, I I ran cross country in high school. And so had waited like 20 something years to be able to have the opportunity to to, to run. I, 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 uh, I got married young. I had kids young. I did grad school. I did my doctorate. So there was never a season where I could take four or five months and just train and dedicate to training. Um, and so finally, like last year, 40 was, was, was right in eyesight. And I said, darn it, i wanted to get this thing done before I was 40. And so it, it's, it's time to, to knock the sucker out. Kids were old enough that I could, I could do it. And so I, so I stuck to the training plan. And one of the things that I, that I quickly learned and that I, that I loved about marathon training was that pacing is, is, is the name of the game. Like you when you follow the training regimen, like you're pushing yourself, but but built into the regimen is that every third week there's going to be a, a week that you kind of step back a little bit. you you maintain what you just did. It's not just aggressively increasing the mileage for twelve straight weeks. it's it's increasing the mileage and then decreasing a little bit, having a little bit of a rest week and then and then kind of getting back on it. and so the the, the good training programs, offer this this healthy balance of what i'm trying to talk about which is then stretching you and calling you to something more but then at the same time recognizing like it's okay like we can step back a little bit and then and then we kind of get back at it as well because otherwise you're just going to injure yourself and your muscles aren't going to handle if you keep increasing over i don't know what it is 10 percent mileage a week or something like that you know you have to have certain certain uh um uh, c- certain pacing i guess is what i'm trying to say and certain awareness that like You got to, you got to work with your system. You got to work with your body as well. Um, So anyways, just, uh, just throwing that out there for you. So how does that translate, I guess, for you in terms of Exodus and uh, in, in kind of acknowledging that, you know, that's like, yeah, it's an extreme program for sure. It's just extreme. It's, it's, it's meant to be this radical kind of self-denial, but for guys who who maybe do need kind of three months in or, or three weeks in or a month in to be able to say, okay, let me just take a step off or or let off the gas on this thing. Or or maybe those cold showers isn't as beneficial to my spiritual life as I thought, but maybe the giving up the alcohol is the thing that is. Does the program allow within the community some some nuance to kind of play into it, you know, for for the guys as they're kind of going through it?
1: The only nuance there is on Sundays and Solemnities where yeah. we, as a fraternity, you, so you're doing this with five to seven other men. Right? You're not doing this alone. If you're doing it alone, you're not doing Exodus 90. And we certainly don't want that to happen for anybody because there's exactly, exactly what you're saying. There's spiritual danger there as well. So you're doing this with your fraternity on Sundays and on solemnities. You get to relax one of the disciplines. And of course, there's many disciplines. So you're just relaxing one. You're continuing on just like, let's say, any religious order. They're not taking off their habits, watching TV and eating potato chips every Sunday in solemnity or even the octave of Easter, right? They still have disciplines on those times. They just relax some of them. regards Regarding the 90 days, we see it as, okay, this is your 90 days. We're not asking you to do this for an entire lifetime. Is it too much? As I mentioned, yes. So the discernment must happen beforehand.
0: Hmm.
1: Is the Lord calling you to do this or not? And if he's not calling men to do this, a, a particular man to do this, then don't do it, right? Exactly for the reason that you're, you're talking about. There's just so many pitfalls that could happen there. Mm-hmm. It could be you're just doing this out of pride. It could be that you're simply not ready to do this or the Lord doesn't want this for you right now in this season of life for whatever reasons that are involved in, in your sphere of life that I don't know about. if mm-hmm. The Lord is calling you to do this. Then it's that concept of making the decision in consolation and not changing your plans in desolation right? I'm sure you've, you're familiar with that. So, like yeah, you're praying course. before it. You're praying before like, okay, Lord, are you asking me to do this? It's a 90 day commitment. Are you asking me to do this? And if you're committing to the 90 days, you're committing to those 90 days. And then in that time when it gets too hard, you're like, man, I just want to, I want, I need a break. I need to stop. Well, you're with your brothers and you've committed for those 90 days. And so you stick to it in that time, even of desolation. So let the Lord pull you through and to the finish. Now, If somebody for some reason of health or some reason of something else had to to make a change, then absolutely seek the counsel of your spiritual director or of your physically doctor if you need to there as well. We don't want to push anybody to do anything that the Lord isn't willing them to do or to harm themselves by any stretch of the imagination. But we must clarify, most of us are spiritually weak. Any of us, when we're all well-practiced in making excuses for ourselves, right? So we do have a pretty tight regimen. Once you're committed to God, to live out and fulfill and finish, complete that commitment that you made to God, knowing that he will provide you the graces to fulfill what he's asked you to fulfill.
0: Yeah, no, I I hear in terms of the need to want to keep this like together and and do as a band of brothers and the challenge aspect of it. I know that there's there's something to that's why guys, you know. Run a tough mutter together or something ridiculous, you know what I mean? Or like even in secular groups, like you hear about No Fab November. You know, guys who like who under normal circumstances would never give up masturbation or, or or sex, you know, with their girlfriends, but they're like, no, November, man, this is it. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna invite this into our lives. So there's something certainly universal about it. I, I guess my concern would be just to just to ask for clarification again. You know, in terms of doing the program, I get in terms of committing to it, but man, I, I would I would really dislike if somebody. Failed in their commitments to Exodus ninety to feel like they're failing God in some way, uh, that somehow like the discernment to do exodus is is on par with a, a vocational discernment or something of that nature. You know that like, I guess that that would be the place where I would I would just maybe push back a little bit and wonder like is yeah. there is there is there again conversation in that in terms of being able to say like yeah you're committed to it for sure you want to stretch yourself absolutely. But yeah, I would, I would really dislike it if somebody felt like that they failed. Like you said, even yourself, you didn't do it perfectly. And so you slip up, you kind of get back on it, you kind of get rolling. But I'm sure you didn't feel like you failed God, you know, because of it. Um, that, that type of equation, and, and maybe I didn't hear you right, but, but that, that type of aspect of it, I think I would, I would be concerned about to be, to be sincere. Because yeah, it absolutely. is a great you know, program in terms of like what you're offering. But, uh, but again, it goes back to that, that sense of discernment, you know, in terms of where, where guys are and where they are in their life. Absolutely. And there's a
1: beautiful push-pull balance that's happening here, even in this discussion, which yep. is so good. And it ought to be happening in a man's heart if he's considering this, or in his mind, if he's thinking about this. Yeah, in, in so general, I
0: think, you know, guys, obviously, like you said, and I think this is what, like I said, where you're trying to really put your finger on in terms of saying like, um, in general, are we, are we are we, asking ourselves, you know, kind of these deeper questions? So, but my, my yeah. bad, go ahead, go ahead.
1: Yeah, no worries. Mm-hmm. So for example, we give some opportunities or different reasons. Why you might not do a particular discipline or, or something like that Mm -hmm. in our field guide, the field guide is what lays out how this exercise works. And for example, you're not supposed to be watching movies or television, right? right? But let's say you're married and your wife's like, Hey, I really want to watch the Olympics. Okay. And I really want to watch this particular event. Can we watch it? And you're just like, well, my training for my Exodus fraternity brothers is like, well, I'm going to suggest this board game. How about this, Sonny? Do you want to do this board game instead? Or do you want to go on this date? and We can go here like bowling instead or something like that. And she's like, no, nope. I really just want to watch yeah. gymnastics right, right now. Right, right, right. Okay. Where where Exodus ninety can be used as a tool to help you grow in the spiritual life, it ought to be used. Mm-hmm. Where it hinders you growing the spiritual life or hinders you fulfilling your vocation, it is in the way. And it is not to be used. Mm -hmm. In which case you say, yes, absolutely, honey. Let's go for the gold with these gymnastic girls. I'm right here with you. Mm -hmm. So there's definitely that balance as well. It's just a tool. It's not your vocation. Your vocation is far more important. So there's that balance of, all right, where it's not in the way, use it. And where it is in the way, like, all right, be prudent and be understanding. Perfect. And patient with your brothers as well.
0: Perfect. Perfect. That's what I'm, thank you for clarifying that. Really, I really wanted to hear that Um, because- uh, yeah, it, it, if the answer would have been like no, we're not watching the Olympics, uh you know, I would have been like, come on, Nathaniel, like, 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 like I think we got to give some some cons- some understanding. Now, again, it, like, I understand what you're saying is in terms of, you know, talk to your brothers about it, but but at the same time, recognize that it's like okay, like, like I'm I'm, in essence, like me sacrificing my exodus is a sacrifice for my for my wife, I guess, if you're kind of looking at it that way. Yeah. you know yeah, what I mean. Definitely. That it's like it's always putting the first things first, you know, in terms of like saying that like. Um, yeah, you know, that we, this time is, is, is of supreme value. Uh, so, so managing that. So I pre- I appreciate you navigating that. Hey everybody, this is Dr. Mario Sakas, and I'm just taking a quick break from my conversation with Nathaniel Benversi from Exodus 90. I just want to continue to ask for your prayers upon the Dating Well program. We are very close to having this thing wrapped up. We are in post-production. Looking at the last videos here, I ask you please continue to pray for us as we wrap it up and start getting it out into your hands. I pray that this program may bless all the individuals and couples who will be going through it. Because really, my desire is to help couples be able to better assess the health of their relationship, to know when to have the important conversations, to know what physical lines should be drawing, to understand how pornography has impacts on, on a relationship, to know when to move forward, to know when arguments are too difficult, to know how to manage long-distance relationships or dating apps. All of this is what we are covering in Dating Well. So we are close to being done, and just ask for your prayers, please. And when it is finished, of course, I will let you know, and we'll start Unfolding it and getting it out into your hands. So, thank you so much for your prayers, and let's get back into this conversation with Nathaniel Benversi. So, in terms of the 90 days, like I've. you said on the website and I've heard this repeatedly in terms of like a 90 day reboot, you know, this is, this is important. Um, when somebody is starting a uh, AA or SA, it's almost always encouraged that the individual does 90 for 90, which is that they do 90 days, 90 meetings in 90 days. And that's to, that's to bring about this kind of like real heavy push right out of the gates that like, I want to, I want to move with this and I want to go with this and I want to kind of find the, this, um, yeah, the, the, these three months where I'm really kind of giving myself, you know, uh, to it. So I'm assuming that's where the, you talked about. It, that's where the 90 days come from. Is that is that right? Like, yes. Yeah, it's, it's just a simply not exactly like AA. Specifically. Sure, sure, sure. I did contact them and I said, hey, does this
1: exist? Because I couldn't find anything on their website. They said it's actually a colloquial thing that has just been spreading around <laughs> the AA communities. We don't actually. That's actually what I was anything. wondering. I mean,
0: you say research on the website. And I'm like, I've heard this, too. But where's the study? You know what I mean? Like, I. I so it is colloquial. That That's great to know. That particular one is, yeah. So
1: I found found some other studies that just show the research on rehabilitation in general Mm -hmm. and how, I mean, you probably know many Mm -hmm. of these things yourself. Rehabilitation programs that are less than 90 days are not very effective. Men often fall right back into it pretty quickly or women or whatever they're being rehabilitated from. But it's after 90 days that a threshold is passed and old bonds can be broken and new ones can be formed. Now, it's still not 100% effective by any means which is why we have over a thousand days worth of disciplines and reflections for ongoing formation for men. So they can continue to live the Christian life that they want to live. Mm-hmm. But 90 days is a threshold and anything less statistically is not super helpful. Yeah. Uh, so 90 days is a great start.
0: Sounds great. Sounds great. Now with the, the, in terms of, so here's another criticism that I've heard and, and, you know, just what I've heard, in terms of thing, saying that, like, because it, it used to start, tell me, th- this is where I'm confused, so please explain this to me. Did it used to end with Easter, or did it used to end at Pentecost? Or- yeah, so you, it, you can do Exodus at any time. In okay, fact, great. the men, right. yeah, the men
1: actually started doing this 90 days to Easter. We never advertised it the first time that we had a huge swath of men. Got it. Seven, well, huge to us at that time. It was 700 and some guys all God, started on the same huge, day, and we're just fantastic. like... What happened, yeah. right? This is before I even worked here. So James is like, did I just get hacked? Like, what happened? Is this, is somebody played a joke on me. How did 700 guys just start today? And he realized it was 90 days uh-huh. to Easter. And now that's consistently our biggest groups. This last year, we had about 14, 15,000 men that's start cool. 90 days to Easter, yeah. but you could start at any time.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. Because somebody told me there's 90 days of Pentecost. I was like, it's not going to, there's no way you've run through the, the Easter season like that. I don't think that's that's what's being encouraged here. Um, so so I appreciate you clarifying that. Because yeah. then it, it makes sense in terms of 90 days before Easter. Um, so how does that fit within the liturgical calendar, though, in terms of being able to say, it's East Lent is 40 days. It, I guess sometimes maybe in... in, in it can be misinterpreted as kind of like, is 40 days not enough of Lent? Is a liturgical calendar in its natural rhythms of of asceticism and and and, and feasting, which is also a, a mastery. You know, we need to be masters of feasting as well. Um, that 90 days is is like, oh, well, we gotta we gotta do more than what the church asks. Um, what are, what are your thoughts about that?
1: So it's just a good use of the church and her brilliance and her beauty and Modern understanding of science as well, mm-hmm. based on the stats that I was sharing with you before. So, does everybody need 90 days to break old habits and start new ones? Well, how, how heavy are their habits, I suppose? How ingrained, ingrained are their habits? And do they need to apply this to their life? But even in the history of the church, we can see other people, St. Francis included, who do double Lent, who mm-hmm. stretch it out even further to give more of a penance and time for God. So it's not to say that Lent isn't enough, quote unquote, of an offering to our Lord, but we're called to take up our cross daily anyway. We're called to live a life of prayer, asceticism and fraternity. That's just the Christian life every day, anyway. It's not like, oh, Lent is done, so I don't have to do any asceticism the rest of the year.
0: Right. Yeah. Which is also the challenge you said it earlier in terms of even with the Easter season, you know, it's like, am I not supposed to fast or is is the Eastern octave just an excuse to gorge my mouth out, you know, the whole time? Like, no, it's not an excuse for gluttony. So (laughs) feasting, like I said, feasting has its own place also in terms of knowing, knowing how to celebrate when, when we're called to celebrate appropriately and knowing when to fast, when we're called to fast, you know, appropriately as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. So this is just a a way for us to kind of do that double lamp. And the men who have done it, if you will, uh, make it very clear that their Easter is just so much different. It's so much to be real, just richer and fuller because of this time in the desert that they had. Mm -hmm. So give it a try, I suppose. But no, it's not to go against the liturgical calendar by any means, Mm -hmm. but just to take both the church's beauty and what we're Able to learn from modern science as well.
0: Yeah, I go back to the, just the place of discernment. You know, in terms of being able to say, like, you know, in, in not just discernment in terms of personally, because you're right. Because sometimes we can we can be overly um, kind of unaware, I guess, of maybe sometimes what the limitations are. So encouraging conversations with our spouses and, and with our with our friends in terms of what, what we should be giving up and when we should be doing it. Um, so so certainly a need to to be able to to just go back to that, you know, I think is, is the word that I keep feeling, you know, when, when it comes to like wanting to do something like this or, or not do something like this. Um, it goes back to that question of the sermon um, and, and, and honoring kind of like I said, what the science says in terms of the 90 days and that there's some value, you know, that's there with regards to deeply ingrained habits um, and being able to give the, the system the reboot that it, that it absolutely needs. Um, so, so that's great. Okay, let, let's just kind of keep rolling. We you know, thank you, man, for your time. You do you're doing good. I appreciate it, man. This is this is yeah. fantastic. So, um, you know, I guess the, the other question that I would have, you know, in terms of just thinking about like the church's spiritual tradition and how this fits, or maybe places where where, where questions where maybe I see it. In, 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 uh, so yeah, some questions related to that is, you know, the, I said earlier that the church has always kind of honored uh, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving as kind of like the trio. That's the trifecta of the spiritual life. You know, it's it's my prayer, my my understanding, my connection with God and and, and being able to to discern and be with that. Um, and then my penance in terms of what I give, in terms of understanding what my attachments are and being able so that I can be able to hear God's voice more clearly. I think there's without a doubt a a de-emphasis of that over the years. And sometimes this mysticism without asceticism can can go awry, where we just feel that we hear God's voice all the time and God tells us whatever. And, and we always get the answer to the prayer that we always want. You know what I mean? And there's no suffering because it kind of borders on this prosperity gospel type of thing. So this is one of the ways where, where when they're not held in tension, that 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 one can go awry with the other. Um, similar with overemphasis on asceticism um, could then lead to a sort of Pelagianism in the sense that like, I'm going to, through my works, I'm going to, to, you know garner my, my my salvation but this is where also the almsgiving piece and the attention to the corporal and spiritual works of mercy is always meant to be a, a the third leg into the stool because then what it what it reminds us that that at the end of the day it's really about how we serve other people and how we intentionally give of ourselves because sometimes finances like when you talk about ascetical practices tithing um, attachment to money attachment to uh to to yeah to the material goods that the money gives um, and the security that money offers, but then also in terms of just like genuinely giving myself in terms of you know spiritual works and corporal works of mercy, serving other people. You know, when you look at the program, certainly the, the three things that you guys speak about, which are certainly great. You know, in terms of prayer, asceticism, and fraternity, which is which is important. But but why is there not um, any deliberate kind of verbiage with regards to almsgiving, uh, which is also yeah, a part say- of the church?
1: Yeah. Right. Two reasons. Mm -hmm. One, we're a non-for-profit. So, if you lead too heavily with that and you talk a lot about that, people are like, you just want us to give you your
0: money. (laughs) That's a good point.
1: (laughs) Yeah. The other aspect, though, is you were talking about almsgiving Mm -hmm. in terms of even the corporal corporal works of mercy or simply giving to others. Mm -hmm. This is a a point that is very heavily emphasized through the daily reflections. So every day you get a reading from the book of Exodus or onward through um, the, the rest of the Pentateuch in the last 10 days, we kind of take you further than the book of Exodus kind of ends in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. So we take you up to the promised land at the end of these 90 days, uh, the edge of the promised land there with Moses. And the reflection comes with that every single day of which father Brian Dore originally wrote. And I then rewrote for the broader lay audience that we have now to kind of tighten it up a little bit. And, in this time, you, you get a real heavy emphasis on being a man for others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're changing your life. Yes, you're becoming more free, but why? So that you can pat yourself on the back, mm-hmm. so that just you get to heaven, right? Of course not. So a real heavy emphasis through here on being a man for others, starting with those around you, your wife, your children, if you're married, or your fraternity brothers, or the people that you're living with, whatever, and then kind of going outward from there so that you're attentive to God and his will even if that means God is asking you to give up your time and serve those right next to you. So though it's not in our title, if you will, mm-hmm. it is absolutely in the work itself.
0: Yeah, fantastic. No, that's great. And do you encourage the guys to like do stuff together, you know, in terms of like service projects, is that part of it or or uh, is it more just kind of paying, being attentive to kind of your circle, local circumstances and what are the ways that you can, you know, be more attentive to your spouses if you're married or your communities if you're single? Um,
1: Yeah. Here's one, a great example of how Exodus 90 is just one part of everything that we have. Mm -hmm. So there's these three different parts that we find as Exodus incorporated as our larger Exodus experience with this time of introduction, where people start to learn what it means to live a life of prayer, asceticism, and fraternity, what it means to live the Christian life in this way. Then there's that time of purification, that time of freeing, which is those 90 days of prayer, asceticism, and fraternity. But then there's that time afterwards, which is the more than a thousand days worth of content that we have mm-hmm. ongoing for men's formation after you've been purified, after you're actually able to receive what we're going to give you over here. Cause if you start talking to people, you know, about doing almsgiving and doing corporal works of mercy, when they can't even put their phone down for 20 minutes and listen to God, like what, what are we getting out of it? And that's actually something that I saw, which affected very greatly how I formed day 91 or our biblical Mm -hmm. series after Exodus 90, the time after Exodus 90, I saw all these wonderful apostolates that are trying to get people to live the gospel and really to proclaim, make missionary disciples as is a huge buzzword in our church today. And those things are so good, but the apostolates aren't achieving everything they desire to achieve. Why? Well, because they don't have great people well-formed to enter into them. Mm -hmm. They have people that are really excited for about 30 days and then they get burnt out because they don't have a great relationship with Christ to fuel their apostolic mission. And those who last the longest are those who really are rooted in Christ. So I saw that as a problem and I said, okay, those apostolates aren't us. Mm. They are great in and of themselves. We're not called to be them, different members of the body of Christ, but what they're missing is good informed human beings and especially men. That's us. That's what we're called to do to free and to form men. We can help them by giving them the men that they need Mm -hmm. to live out their apostolates even better. So let's do that. Let's start with these freeing of these men, forming them into the man they need to be and then sending them out to those apostolates to really proclaim the gospel or to do the corporal works of mercy or whatever the Lord is asking of them in that point in their life.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's great. In terms of just kind of knowing your lane and knowing where, uh, where God's calling you, you know, to not be one of those other things. But then, like you said, is that by focusing then on that internal renewal, um, then that allows, you know, others to be able to, to, to take what they've learned from this time, you know, as they will. Um, so, so yeah, no, I think that, I think that that makes sense to me in terms of just being able to say, um. And and like I said, haven't done the program, so day 91, things you're talking about, whether it's in the reflections, even throughout it, if it's if it's making that attention clear in terms of that point to say, you know, that this isn't you're not just you're not just giving up the cold shower for it for the sake of it, you know, that you're not just giving up the, the alcohol or the TV just so you can like say that you do it, you know, and I think sometimes even in popular culture, this kind of there's been this renewal of stoicism, you know, that that's kind of emerging. And some of it, again, is coming from a good place. But some of it's also kind of like, okay, you know, like is this just a another version of me getting a tiny house, you know, or or some type of I'm doing minimalism because uh, because it's it's what's in vogue, you know, um, and so so there's a place where where uh, it, it it can kind of go go skew a little bit, um, which I guess for me it, just to be honest, I guess my personally my, my 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 last question here, and I really appreciate you just answering all these kind of questions that I've had because like I said, I I haven't done it and, and I've just perceived it, you know, from others my last question really is kind of going back to just picking up what I was just saying in terms of the the kind of um motivations you know that that, that garners guys like you guys have done a great job really building great branding and, and really kind of building um a, a great sense of of collegiality and kind of fraternity you know that that's together with it the app is is very sharp um, very user friendly you know it's easy to be able to to connect with guys and to do it and so so it's wonderful you know that 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 the program that's that's in essence what you're paying I mean if anybody wants to pick up a cynicism for ninety days, they can just do it without buying XS it ninety. But you're 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 encouraging this 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 sense of being part of this program, you know, together with not just your your group of guys, but if you do it ninety days before Lent or something else, that you're doing it with a larger group of men, you know, who are also starting it at the same time. Um, and I guess some of that is a question of then, like, does that influence in some way one's motivation for doing it? You know, does it does it is it that you know you do it because you're genuinely feeling the need for this reboot? Um, or are you doing it because you you want to say that you did it, you know, that you want to feel like you're part of the club, um, and you want to get the badge and you want to get the t-shirt and you want to get the things at the end, um, or is it that you genuinely feel like you're doing it because 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 you know you feel like this is what what God's calling you to do? And, and maybe I'm being too extreme in terms of pitting these against each other, so I'm I'm willing to accept that, you know. But I guess I'm just concerned about. I mean, the popularity of it is great, but does the popularity work against itself in terms of being able to? To do the thing that it's setting out to do, when it's really about kind of keeping, again, your interior life. This is, this is all about interior renewal. Then primarily, these things are about kind of, kind of a privacy, you know, that's there and in, interiorly, um, and being able to to, to not muddle those uh, those motivations that that may come about. That it's like I'm doing it because I want to, I want to do exodus because everybody's doing exodus, you know, and I want to want to be part of the club, or or is it man that God's really calling me to to grow in greater mastery, you know, of 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 these things? So. Open to your thoughts here.
1: Yeah, it's a very internalized type of question Mm -hmm. for each and every single man Mm -hmm. in terms of why are you doing this? And we talk about what's your why before you start Exodus. And you have to have a written why, a why, like, what, why are you doing this? And if your written why, as you go through that exercise, kind of reading what a written why should be and how to write one well for, especially something like an Exodus, and you're writing down, like, I just want to do this to be in the club, then yeah, you're probably not in this for the right reason. Mm -hmm. But even that written why, like going through that process of what you are to write down something specific, something that is at the service, of, of God and something that is at the service of others in, in particular, so naming something particular. So a proper written why for Exodus might look like this. I wanna do Exodus 90 because I wanna be free from looking at my cell phone every single day when I come home from work and I'm still at work mentally on my phone. And I wanna do this so that I can be present to our Lord and attentive to him and trust that he's going to take care of me through these 90 days and my work will be fine until the next day. And so that I can be present to my wife and to my children in a way that I never have been before or in a way that I used to be before I had a cell phone. Mm-hmm. That's a good and proper written why. As you read through this and try to accomplish all three of those things in writing your why, you start to realize, even if I was just in this for the fantasticness of the community, like, mm-hmm. oh, this they had cool branding, they had a cool video, and these really loud guys in my parish got me fired up about it, and so I want to do this. By the time you get to day 30, most of that's gone because it's not fun. It is hard. And you're not going to keep doing this for that reason. So it's interesting. We've learned that about men. We can get them into this mm-hmm. by playing to that, to even egos. are just like, oh, you know, whatever, this is hard. This is challenging. And men are excited about it. And they, they want to do it because of the challenge, and then they realize, whoa, this is something totally different, but because it's done in a fraternity, they stick with it because they have their brothers. Those who try to do this without opportunity and came for that reason, they're done real quick. They don't make it to day 30. Mm -hmm. They certainly don't make it to day 60 because there's nobody there to hold them accountable to living for others or holding up their commitment to God. So from my point of view, yes, it's unfortunate that some people come to this good thing out of pride, but you know what? They've come to Jesus Christ and he's transforming them. I don't care how they came in that case, you know, Mario. Okay. Because I know the good the goodness of God, especially amidst good fraternities. Yeah. And not only I shouldn't say I don't care because that sounds rude. I do care. <laughs> of course you care. But I'm right, <laughs> but I'm okay with it, and I'm willing to even get them in if that's what it takes to get a man in the door and to help him encounter Christ. Great. If I have to go to a bar, if I have to go to you know wherever to go and get a man, prodigal son, right? I will go to the distant country sure. to get the lost son, just like Christ went to Gennesaret and freed the man from his swine herding and freed the demoniac from the demon within him. Like, yeah, we're going to do it. We're going to meet them right where they're at, Mm -hmm. regardless of where they are and bring them to Jesus Christ.
0: Mm -hmm. Sounds great. Sounds great. All right, man. So what's next for Exodus 90? Where are you guys heading?
1: Yeah, really good question. Really good question. So we have these seven day challenges that are coming out next week, which we're excited about. And these are for men who maybe are on the fence like 90 days. That's a huge commitment. Mm -hmm. Great. It's a huge commitment. And why would you do this if you don't understand the Christian life as a daily life of prayer, asceticism, and fraternity? If you don't understand what it means to live asceticism, how you can use it as penance, how you can use it as offering for others. If you don't know those things, Well, that makes sense why you might not want to do Exodus 90. So we have these seven-day challenges. You can either do a cold shower challenge a no snacking challenge a no media challenge. There's a couple other in there as well. You pick which discipline you want, mix it together with 20 20 minutes of silent prayer a day, and the reflections for each of those is the same. So you get this great set of reflections that helps you understand both through scripture and through that reflection what this life is all about. Mm -hmm. So we have that. And then day 91 is getting a fresh look and we're excited about that. And I'm sorry, I can't tell you more about that right now, but it's coming out in November. In addition, we have a big uh, uh, speaking series coming out. I get to jump in a fifth wheel RV (laughs) and truck with my wife and my children. Uh, They're just great, great missionary family. And we're going to go out and make as much noise as we can between now and January uh, giving speaking engagements at parishes and pubs at churches or ever going to some, some tailgates of some college games and some NFL games and just making as much noise as we can with our Exodus brothers to bring souls to Christ. However we can. So those are a few different things, it's there's more, there's more, but I'll leave it there for now, Mario. We're, we're excited to have the grace of God and to be growing every single year, even amidst the difficulties of these last few years, we're just trying to keep up with the Holy spirit. So We're doing what we can
0: sounds great sounds great so if people want to find out more about those new offerings or signing up for exodus themselves how can how can they do that exodus90.com that's exodus90.com go there you can click get started and create
1: your profile after you've done that then you can go to the apple app store or the google play store download the exodus 90 mobile app it is indeed as mario alluded to earlier it's ten dollars a month to join membership and get access to all of these spiritual exercises however those seven day challenges to start are totally free, as well as access to our daily gospel and reflection there as well. So that's Exodus90.com. You can check out the mobile app, the Exodus90 mobile app, in the app stores.
0: Sounds great. All right. Well, Nathaniel, final question, ask all my first-time guests, what gives you hope?
1: What gives me hope? It is the the testimonies, the testimonies of the men, the testimonies of especially the wives, actually, Mario, it's the, the ones I love getting the most, the wives who say, that's making me emotional even right now. I just, it really does move me. I love my job. Man, when they write in, there's like, thank you. Thank you for giving me my husband back. Hmm. Thank you for giving my children their father back. I just love coming into work. I love being able to, to do this with our Lord and to bring this grace. And man, there's so much hope in freedom. Christ is so good to us leading us all to greater freedom and love of him. And I'm sure not perfect. So I need more and more of it myself, but that's what gives me hope. The testimonies of others and God's
0: work in their life. Praise the Lord. Well, Nathaniel, thanks, man, for joining me on the podcast. I really appreciate the time and and being able to, to answer all these questions that I had about Exodus 90. And uh, and just being able to to yeah just to kind of just to talk. So God bless you and the and the work that you're doing, and uh, your team and and your travels as you have coming up, uh, driving that that big old truck and fifth wheel and doing all the fun stuff that you're talking about. So God bless you, man. Thanks so much, man. I appreciate your time. <laughs> Well, all right. That brings this episode to a close here, the first of 2022. I want to thank Nathaniel Benversi again for joining me on the show. And I want to pray for all of you who are starting Exodus 90, January 13th, all you men or husbands or boyfriends of my listeners that will be starting the program here in the next couple weeks. Just want to offer again, these thoughts to you to help you in your own discernment about whether to do it or not. And if you are planning to do it, then I just genuinely pray that it will enrich your spiritual life and help you to find those places of false attachments. Now this show is done, please, I want to ask you to leave a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. You can now leave ratings on Spotify. If you've enjoyed this episode, then please consider taking just a minute out of your day to leave a little bit of a rating. Every little bit does help spread the word about the show and to let other people who to know what the show is about, and to help them and encourage them to be able to start listening to the great episodes that you have here at Always Hope. So, consider leaving a rating or writing a review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. But thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. Many blessings to you as you begin your 2022 and setting off with your New Year's year, New Year's New Year's resolutions. I'm saying that right here. All right. So, God bless everybody. Be good.